Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, out of the high time of the church year, we enter into what has been called the ordinary time. It's less about the life as the church or as the body of Christ. This time to the end of November, so it's a long time. You better settle in the right way. But it's going to go for a while. But this time kind of clicks along in its own kind of way. Now you must know, ordinary has never been very attractive to Americans. It's just not in our spirit. But maybe today, that's exactly what we need. With so much strife and confusion, routine and everyday life, the doings that we just do might offer some relief. Except on this first Sunday of the ordinary time, the church finds herself with Jesus, and life itself seems to have no place for God's mission of the gospel. Famous words come today from Jesus and St. Mark. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Ears in our culture perk up because Abraham Lincoln popularized these words. Everybody would, should be able to click on that pretty quick. But here's the thing. He was addressing, as we know, the injustice of slavery unresolved during his time. A house divided cannot stand, as he paraphrased Jesus' words. But it did not exactly want to exalt a civil war, though that was certainly a possible reality. But he saw the long-term course of this country. Lincoln knew politically a middle ground was not going to last. And he went on to say in the same speech, which most people don't really read through, he says, it will become all one thing or all the other. He didn't know which way it was going to go, but he put it very clearly. It was going to go this way or going to go that way. The image he used by Jesus proved his point. However, Christ had something else in mind, didn't he? Not for just this nation mentality. He wasn't thinking about America. He wasn't thinking about anything in this world per se. He was speaking specifically to the division that stood against him and his church. Jesus is the stronger man, having delivered us from Satan's house of slavery to be at home with God for all good. And so a division against Jesus was in a familiar house intended for good in life. Everyone has a family. And so did Jesus. The role for him being the promised Savior, this was kind of no news to Mary. I mean, she knows the whole story. But it started to expand and get a lot of attention to the point that was no longer at home with his family. When the news came about the crowds, 
they went out, it tells us, to seize him. For they were saying, his family, he's out of his mind. You could say they were trying to have an intervention. Families still do this for loved ones today, don't they? Typically over addictions and other problems in life. So that isn't wrong per se. Here's the thing. The family of Jesus shared his flesh and blood. These were half-brothers and sisters. Mary, his own mother. But their love for good was in the way of the word become flesh. God, to carry out the gospel for humanity. Since Adam and Eve's sinful failure, your house of everyday life has fallen prey, captive, to division against God, every one of our families. When the crowd turned in a natural way with concern over his family, Jesus ordinary response, didn't he? Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. A new kind of family comes with Jesus. Since the Father's will is to reconnect all earthly families in one way, through the gift of his Son. And so St. Paul kind of tells us and declares to us these words, For in Christ Jesus, you're all sons of God. You're all part of the family through faith. This is not about abandoning family, but it is to believe in Christ. For he unites us to God by his place as the Savior. Without that, all the families of the earth are cut off from God. No matter how good and glorious, big or, uh, and, and important, it does not matter. Another division against Jesus came up, didn't it? From a fake house being up to no good. It was a direct opposition, you know how it goes, to Jesus. And they stepped right on the scene when things started to get attention to. The scribes were not at home to the area where Christ carried out his ministry in Capernaum. Yet coming down from Jerusalem, coming down from their mighty place, here they are, and they denounced the good Jesus did, saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons, he cast out the demons. And so they couldn't denounce his works. They would just say, underneath it all, it's bad. The response by Jesus proved their accusation phony. And he actually showed that they were out of their minds. For a kingdom, a house, or even Satan requires unity to succeed in anything. It just won't work. That's just basic natural knowledge. Even Abraham Lincoln thought of that. Their disbelief and rejection caused a graver divide, though. It's a big deal. Here's the graver divide. Truly, I say to you, Jesus said, all sins will be forgiven the children of man 
And whatever blasphemes they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin, for they had said he has an unclean spirit. The scribes were scholars. Nothing wrong with that. But they show us how human reason quickly opposed God in his reasoning by the gospel which is another way beyond our ways of natural laws. In our time, a division of craftiness has come between faith and reason, hasn't it? A big wedge. It pits one against the other to deny finally the place of God's word as authoritative. Our Lutheran fathers had a different view. They saw a better unity at the time of the Reformation. They say, we cheerfully credit this righteousness of reason with the praise that are due it. However, it ought not to be praised by dishonoring Christ. So do whatever you want with how you think through things, how you do your science and all that stuff. That's great and good. But if it dishonors Jesus better double-check yourself really quick where it's going to take you is to hell. So, Jesus paid the price, as we know for all. But the unforgivable sin is persistence. Persistence within a man that holds up against God in his gracious favor for Sinners, You just sung about that in our hymn. Short, short is this grace. Like with Pharaoh, or even Judas, the heart becomes so hard against the word and preaching that judgment means no room. It's a self-judgment. No room for the Holy Spirit to work. This is not the same mind you, as doubts or questions or failures where the Holy Spirit still actively even is calling us to repent and believe the gospel. It's not that at all then. The unforgivable sin warns the enemies of God. This warning is to a culture that might disregard the church. It is to the church that would want to rewrite the gospel for some other glory. It's even for a person who's fat, finally callous to Jesus. And so finally, the last division against Jesus belonged to a failing house before his greater good. Everyone saw the strife, didn't they? Everyone, you can see it, that was there with his family and with the scribes. But Jesus had an undivided attention to the mightier captivity. Because as Adam's and Eve's sons and daughters, they could not see what Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, could see as God. He saw it crystal clear. Behind it all was ruling with a united power. But he 
was also hiding behind humanity like a coward. And that is what the devil does. He's done it since Genesis chapter 3. And God had to root it out, didn't he? He goes to Adam, and then it goes to Eve. And then finally God knows where this is going to go. It went to the serpent, to Satan, to speak to him for our good. You see, Jesus showed no mercy towards this stability of Satan. The promise long ago was for him to crush the serpent's head. His mission of the gospel was clear. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. So, this binding Jesus did in his life. He was casting out the demons. He was undoing the treachery of the devil in people's lives with the truth. But it directed everything, you know, finally to the greater fact of his cross. All of it was about the cross. He proclaimed without hesitation, our Lord, before his great passion, these wonderful words. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Jesus, as the stronger man, has died and rose to redeem humanity so that Satan is holding together a failing house. He makes it look good, but he cannot hold it together. The binding hold of sin and death by Satan, you know, has Jesus even when it gets a hold of us, it cannot hold him. He keeps plundering away, but the promise of good news for his sacrifice has not failed. Forgiveness and eternal life come from Jesus, you know, by his word and sacraments. And so with these gifts, you are the goods he claims for his kingdom. Instead of belonging to a failing house, St. Paul knows for us, you heard it today, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Here's the challenge for each and every one of you. You're going to have to look at that comparison through the eyes of the cross. Any other way, you're going to have disappointment Fear and fall prey to the devil. The risen Jesus uses the crosses of his people, the crosses of his church, to do great things. You want to know what it is? In the midst of our suffering and struggle before the cross, is to expose how Satan's house is fallen and in a state of failure. So, you are free, you're forgiven again, and have a future, even now. What's the future? Right now, to listen to Jesus. To serve him without fear and trust. The stronger man takes our weakness into his glory, and this is what it does. It saves. It justifies 
It lets you go into a culture that will not be justified by the law. It will not get out of its ways of atrocities it's trying to do. It's even in our families, but Jesus does a great thing today for you and his family as a gift. A house divided cannot stand, and that remains true for life. Only now this nation is at a crossroads again with its own privileges of freedom. Yet the church remains with Christ, and everything goes in one direction, undivided in him. There's no other way. It looks ordinary, though, right? A lot like this time of the church year, when attendance dips off and people do all their things, and that's just kind of the way it goes. But the ordinary, don't let it fool you. The gospel shakes sin, death, and death before the world divided against God. Jesus is the stronger man, having delivered us from Satan's house of slavery. That's a freedom that this country will never find in our righteousness, no matter voting or presidents or whatever powers of man. That's a righteousness for you today because it's to be at home with God for all good because he has given you his son. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. At this time, we'll rise and continue with the offertory response and also collect the offering. <laughs>